through our project, whilst we're highlighting the differences perhaps between different social groups and different ethnicities, different professions, the aim of the project is not to accentuate these divides, but really to highlight within the stories that we are actually more connected than we might at first think we are. Hey, I'm Donna Edda, and you're listening to The Interested Podcast, the show that brings you ideas for wellness. In this episode, I talk with the founders of Hong Kong Shifts, Cynthia Chang and Maxim Van Hollebeck, on social inclusion. Hong Kong Shifts is a journalism project featuring day and night shift workers, celebrating the diverse and colorful voices of Hong Kong. Its aim is to raise awareness and encourage dialogue between people from different social economic backgrounds. In this conversation, Cynthia and Maxim join me to talk about building connection and bridging the gaps in our society, lessons learned from interacting with shift workers, finding meaning, engaging in authentic exchanges, and lastly, an invitation to practice acts of kindness. So without further ado, I bring you Hong Kong Shifts, Hong Kong Shift started off as a, a photojournalism a storytelling project where we interviewed shift workers around Hong Kong. So some typical profiles would be, say, um, street cleaners or uh, minibus drivers, it just people working on the streets, working shifts around the city. And the idea is through our storytelling, shine a spotlight on these very hardworking people who are often perhaps neglected or ignored or, or not often acknowledged. So that's where the project began. Maxim, do you want to talk about how you came up with the idea of making the first interaction? Um, I've always been interested in photography and uh, spent way too much time looking at what others are posting and what's being posted generally uh, about Hong Kong. And I noticed it was a lot about the amazing skyscrapers, the beautiful people, the amazing food, but that there was relatively little about the grassroots Hong Kongers themselves, and in particular, very little about the shift workers, which you actually see all around you if you pay attention, but that otherwise are mostly go unnoticed. I remember getting ready to go to work and coming down my office, and I passed by my security guard. At that time, I called her my security guard, and I would say hello, and that was it. But then I said, I had this idea of taking a picture of my security guard and getting to know her better and seeing what she was doing her day, being in her little booth all alone. So I remembered Cynthia, who used to work in the same law firm at the time, Remember, she told me that she enjoyed writing, so I pitched the idea of just having a lunch with my security guard to get to know each other and maybe afterwards taking a few pics. And that's uh, what we did, and that was our first stories. And now uh, she's not my security guard anymore. She is Mei Fong. I know a lot more about Mei Fong that in an hour than I have in the last 10 years of passing by her. Every time I'm in the same neighborhood now, we meet, we exchange... The point is, uh, through this project, we really established a, a true connection with Meifeng. And I think by sharing the story, the aim is, and the hope is that it will allow others to make similar connections as well. How has that connection with Meifeng affected your personal experience? I mean, every time I see her, I do stop by, I try and make a joke, I, I look at what she's doing, and she also try to communicate something, she's 
helping me out now with my flat. Uh, I remember we we had some air conditioning issues. She's now reaching out on WhatsApp saying you should check your aircon, which is, I mean, small things, but it just makes my living environment and her working environment that little bit more pleasant and human. And I think it's small things that when you add them up, make a difference. And that's what we're trying to do with this project. We are very well aware that we just tell stories, but hopefully if we add them all up and if everybody starts to realize that they could be doing the same, having the same, initiating the same discussions with the people around them, it will make a difference. I think it's really interesting how you're saying it's a small thing, but it makes us human. Can you share a story from your project that left a big impression on you? I would like to share one experience where we were interviewing a lady who was working in a car park. She had been working there for 20, 30 years as a car park kind of booth attendant. You know, the lady who gives the tickets and, you know, checks on the cars. And so we, we did her interview. She's there for maybe 10 hours a day just in her little booth. That's all she does for 20, 30 years. And we, we had a lovely chat with her, found out about her story. And then a few months later, when we returned to that same car park, because we usually after our interviews, we return and give them a, a portrait so, so that they have something as memory. Let's explain that. You take a mm. photo of the mm. people that you interview. Yes, yes. So we have project. portraits of them and, and we, we develop these photos and a few months later, we go back and hand them their portraits. And that's all, usually a very nice moment. Um, but when we tried to look for this lady, Ahan, we saw that actually where her booth used to be had been replaced by just an octopus card machine. So we, we never managed to find her again, unfortunately. So, you know, hopefully one day we might bump into her again. But that just kind of really illustrated how quickly things change in Hong Kong and, and how someone who's been there working hard for 20, 30 years can so easily be replaced by a ticketing machine. Like a human is gone now, yes. a machine is in its place. Yeah. But then there was also your encounter with the, the egg vendor, which yes. you knew from your childhood. Yeah, I, I grew up in on Hong Kong Island and there is um, an egg vendor in the Happy Valley f- Fresh Produce Market. He's been there for decades and I'd always remembered him as a kid. He, he would walk around with these big boxes of eggs all around Happy Valley and he'd deliver everywhere. But what was so memorable about this man was that he would be belting out canto pop music tunes like um, from the 70s at the top of his lungs whilst he was making these deliveries. And he's always smiling, mm. forever positive. And I never, when I was little, I never you know, had the chance to or dare to approach this stranger to speak with him. But when we did this project, I, I just suddenly had this idea, well, I'd really love to speak to this man. Like, he's so intriguing. <laughs> I want to learn about his story. Like, why is he always so happy? So, um, yeah, we, we went to speak to him. We learned that he actually himself grew up in Happy Valley. He told us about his family, about like his outlook on life. And, and that was also for me a very, personally, it was a very memorable so why story was he, as well. why was he always so happy? He explained, he just said, you know, I, I am a very kind of happy-go-lucky kind of person. I don't have very high expectations and, and I just let things flow. And he's, he doesn't hang on to like certain ideas or expectations. He's just very, you know, goes with the flow. He's very kind to others um, in the neighborhood. He was talking about how he often runs errands for elderly people. And whilst we were doing the interview, he received a phone call from an elderly man, I think who's, who he's been helping out for years. And he just he delivers lunch to this guy and just 
just because, you know, he's in the neighborhood and he's doing something kind for others. He just says, yeah, I'm the happiest person in Happy Valley. What is something that you've learned from interacting with the Hong Kong shift workers? Well, I think for both of us, we, we had um, a background in, in the corporate world for many years. And what we noticed was that, you know, in that kind of corporate high stress environment, a lot of people often were, could come across as very jaded or kind of disengaged with their work or um, sometimes very negative as well, as I think we have both experienced and, and probably been guilty of as well. But from speaking with a lot of these shift workers who are obviously working extremely long hours with often very tough working conditions, what has come through again and again is actually a, a real sense of resilience and, and strength and, and positivity. And, and they seem to all carry with them a sense of humor, which they carry through in everything they do. And that has been something that has been very, very striking and inspiring and kind of humbling to learn. I love that, that sense of resilience, actually. That really stands out for me in terms of the character of traditional Hong Kongers. Perhaps this project is documenting the history of Hong Kong. When we started the project, I, uh, I think I mentioned last time as well that we actually didn't have a clear plan or idea of where it would go and it just grew very organically. But some of our, our friends, as they were kind of following our project, were saying, hey, do you, you guys know that your project has an educational and kind of educational historical value and, and it acts as some form of archive of Hong Kong life in this period of time? Mm. Hong Kong is a tough place. And dare I say we might be defined by the hunger that people have for money and power here in general. I'm not saying everybody. But what are you hoping to achieve with your work? The obvious answer is it's all about raising awareness in order to promote social inclusion. I think we are all guilty of it to a certain extent. We, we tend to live in our bubbles, in our comfort zone. So really the, the project is about building bridges and giving a name and, and sharing stories to these many anonymous people that we, we just pass by every day. And then once you know their story and once you know what their name is and where they come from, I think it, it becomes a lot easier to build a meaningful rapport with, with these people and, and just live in a more cohesive and, and supportive environment. Can you unpack what social inclusion means? What does it look like? Just to kind of add to what Maxine was saying and also to yeah. answer your question. As you were saying, Hong Kong is, is about a lot about kind of money and wealth and power. But then on the other hand, there is also a huge kind of grassroots community. There's a lot of poverty, which a lot of people don't see, and especially on, on kind of media and things like that. So Hong Kong is, is fascinating in a way because it's such a city of contrast and extreme contrast. And that is apparent in, in the social divides. It's fascinating, but it's also what makes it very fragmented. So through our project, um, I think whilst we're kind of also highlighting the differences perhaps between different social groups and different ethnicities, different professions, the, the aim of the project is not to kind of accentuate these divides, but really kind of to highlight within the stories that we are actually more connected than we might at first think we are. So through the storytelling and through these little nuggets of wisdom that our interviewees share, hopefully our audience can, can relate and, and kind of find something meaningful from what they're saying, which kind of shows us that we're, we're just all humans and trying our best and 
ma making our way through our challenges. And in that kind of very small way, hopefully to kind of build connect more meaningful connections mm. and bridge these gaps, as Maxime was saying, in, in our society. Have you guys ever asked yourself, why do you do this? I, I think in particular, in the past year in, in Hong Kong, we've gone through so many big challenges. And, you know, globally, COVID has been a huge obstacle for a lot of people. But also in Hong Kong, there's been kind of a, a lot of you know, political issues and, and kind of negativity in this city. So what kind of drives us is that we feel like we need to share more positive and uplifting stories at this time in Hong Kong and for people to remember why they love Hong Kong, why what what they're doing here, why they love the people. I also think, I'm speaking for myself, I was just looking for meaning and authenticity. I've, I've probably been exposed way too much to the social media. A lot of what you, what you see being published and shared and, and discussed today is, 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 is so empty and so void. And it's all, I mean, there's a lot of the same things that you over, hear over and over again. And people do worry about the wrong things very, very often, or including me. Generally, we worry about things that don't really matter. And I think the project started by just this need on a personal level to share and, and to work on a project that hopefully is more meaningful and that strikes a chord with what, with what makes us human at the core. And at least, I mean, that's how I feel about it. Uh, I hope some of our audience uh, feels the same. But we still... Um, looking for it. There are clearly ups and downs. There are many days where we, where I wake up and I'm asking myself, why um, are we doing this? And the questions you're asking are the right one. I mean, what are we trying to achieve? What is social inclusion? I mean, what is driving us? But when we speak and when we speak with some of these people and then when we meet with other people that are on the ground, I'm thinking about the local NGOs, the charities that are on the ground every day to help out and try to make Hong Kong a better place. That's where uh, the response becomes obvious. It is meaningful. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. I completely agree with you. And it's really funny. I hope there's like a scientist that can answer these questions. But when we talk about humanity and when we talk about connection, I get goosebumps because I connect. I really believe deep down we need it. We need it as human beings and we need this conversation. And when I am nice to people, strangers on the street, I can honestly say I do it for myself. I want to feel. I want to feel alive. I want to feel that I, these emotions that I miss. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want the social media interaction. I, I don't want empty conversations where someone wants something from me and therefore we're having this coffee <laughs> to maybe hopefully close a deal. There is something that we're longing for and I think this is really interesting to shine light on it for the audience to question. Mm -hmm. We don't have the answer. Perhaps we don't have the answer here today. But just look inwards and ask, you know, why do we want this? Why does it feel good? Well, also, uh, I think a lot of people are seeking happiness. And I mean, we are all seeking happiness. A lot of people are looking inwards to try and be happy. And we can, we can be quite self-centered trying to understand how one feels and, and how we can become a better person. But very often, the easiest way is just go out there and, and being kind towards other people. That's a great way of improving your happiness level. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. Why is it so hard to do uh, on, a, on a daily basis? It's, it's, it's actually it's, it's a question I'm asking myself a lot. This is a really straightforward way to become happier 
It's like stop worrying about yourself and engage with other people, trying to be kind, trying to help others. It will make yourself feel better as well. So we should just do it more often. That's you know, it's really interesting. When I was looking into this act of kindness in this conversation, one of the things that I came across was our economy is based on the bartering concept, right? But there are studies that says that it was just a speculation by Adam Smith. The original system was a gifting concept, <laughs> which means it wasn't like you've got a cow and therefore I'm going to give you 10 chickens. It was like, I need some meat and you're my neighbor and you've got chicken, but I'm just going to come over for tea and go, oh, yeah, I'm feeling low, <laughs> low in energy. And, and because you're my neighbor and you're a friend, you're like, oh, I've got plenty of chicken. Let me give you one. And it's coming from love and connection mm -hmm. instead of a trade. I was just thinking in, in terms of making connections and why, why we don't do that more often, I think a lot of us have just forgotten and maybe we've been conditioned since we were young to kind of put people in boxes or, or label people and say, well, they're those people and there's, there's these people and then they're my people. And as we're growing up, we're, we're kind of trained to think, well, when I want to make a connection, I want to connect with these people in my social groups, in my work circles, mm. in a certain social class. But we forget, actually, these are all barriers that we put up ourselves. They're all invisible barriers. And actually, through, through this project, what we're trying to say is that actually ignore these barriers, like ignore these in, in, invisible hierarchical divides or anything. You can connect with anyone. Like as long as you're being open and genuine and you're curious, there's, not, there, there's no stopping like who you could connect with. So that kind of hopefully opens up kind of the communities and, and the interactions that we have in our in our day-to-day -day lives. Clearly, and I think also it's a very efficient tool to just improve your own living. I have a, an anecdote I, I, maybe I can share. I, I used to live in a flat in London and I had a neighbor that was extremely noisy and I used to get very frustrated about this annoying neighbor that is not respectful and that, I mean, should learn to put his music down. And so... What I did first was to write him a note saying, dear neighbor, please put your music down. I mean, we, uh, we're all living in the same building. Didn't bear any fruits. Uh, he continued. I tried a couple of other things. But the, in the end, I just decided that I would buy chocolate. I'm Belgian. I would buy chocolate. I would go to his door and say, hi, my name is Maxime. I'm your neighbor. Here are some chocolates. Wow. And that, in a way, forced a connection, which in that case, was not really wanted from the other side. Through that act, my neighbors was forced to acknowledge me as Maxime, that has that's from Belgium, and that has brought chocolate. So it initiated a connection, and I've never had any issues with noise again, just because I was not this anonymous neighbor anymore. I was this guy from Belgium that brought him chocolate and that shared a few things, and that often makes a huge difference. So that's a, it's a quite a powerful tool. A similar issue to three weeks ago in my building where they were doing the big, there were construction work. I'm quite noise sensitive, so I, I would get frustrated. And the site manager invited me out, say, come down, I'll explain you what we're doing. And I came down and it was him and his entire team looking at me and they were just telling me this is what's going to happen, this is why we do noise. Suddenly, they were not these anonymous workers that were making noise. Mm. These were the people I spoke to and that stopped for 10 minutes and spent the time to, to explain to me. And 
since then, I'm, I don't even hear the noise anymore. It's a bit extreme, wow. but it works. Do you have an idea how does the acts of kindness benefit well-being? No, oh, well, as I said, I think being kind and being grateful obviously has a, a positive impact on your mental well-being just because it, it's an easy way to get healthy. I think there are, there's a famous quote that, that says that kindness is the cheapest medicine in the world. And I think it's the, it's the truth. So uh, clearly we, we're not health experts, but I think in many cases yeah. when you have a down day and you don't feel so good, if you have enough energy to uh, reach out and just to look around and, and, and engage with someone, you probably uh, will feel better. As a society, can you suggest any tried and tested way to show appreciation to those workers around us that are usually undervalued? I think sometimes all it takes is, is a very small gesture or token of gratitude. So, you know, rather than just walking past these people who are hardworking and, and helping us get on with our lives every day, why not just look them in the eye and say thank you or hello or how are you? And these are all things that as Maxime says, cause nothing, but, you know, could really influence and change the way in, in this, uh, the, the human interaction is. And, and also it, it could potentially change someone's day as well to start off on a more positive note. And yeah, I think it's just little things like that. that just say kind of hi. Help. Just say hi, just be, and also be, you know, authentic about it and, and genuine. You know, a lot of people ask, how are you? And then they just walk off. You know, how about asking how are you and actually listening yeah. to how they are and actually paying attention? And I think that makes makes a big difference. So there's obviously a, um, a language barrier sometimes, but uh, you can find other ways of, of expressing your gratitude. It can be a, a simple smile. Uh, it's not easy in, in, in the current context with the masks, but I've tested it and you see in the eyes <laughs> if you smile. Yes. Um, or learning a few words in Cantonese to say thank you or, or, or how are you. Also, if you, if you think about uh, the work environment uh, more generally, th there are quite a few studies that show that one of the key things for employee retention is a sense of recognition. Recognition is really important mm -hmm for everyone, for all uh, workers. And uh, I think the same applies to shift workers. Expressing your recognition and your gratitude does have an impact on how they feel about uh, their work and how they're contributing. I was initially quite skeptical about the fact that having these very basic conversations had any impact at all. But it's the street cleaners themselves that tell uh, us what we miss is recognition. We are completely invisible. So they are telling us, obviously, they need many other things. They need better wages, uh, better safety equipment, but they also need recognition. And that's something that we can all provide them. And I think we should not discount that. Yeah, that actually reminds me of a recent interview that we did of um, a food delivery driver. And obviously, they're extremely busy in these times because of our semi-lockdown. And he, what he said was that um, sometimes when they make the food deliveries, um, people just don't, don't even uh, show their faces or say hello or thank you. They just stick their hand out, their finger out through the crack, crack of the door and, and take the food and shut the door. That's it. And he was saying, you know, sometimes, you know, why not just say thank you and, and hello? And they're not necessarily looking for a tip all the time, but it's that exactly that recognition and that small expression of gratitude, which makes a big difference for these people. 
and, and for everyone, I think. It boggles my mind. It is so simple. Mm-hmm. It's just recognizing their work and saying thank you. It's, it's just like maybe sometimes instead of walking with your phone and looking at your messages, you can put your phone in your pocket and just look around and be aware of what's around you and, and, and start noticing some of the people that are there working in tough environment to, to make our life more pleasant and our commute easy. When the social fabric of Hong Kong strengthens through acts of kindness, mm-hmm. how would that change our society? If you think back at a, a time where people were not living necessarily in, in very highly densely populated urban areas, but more in, in, in community, community-like settings or villages, I would be extremely surprised if the happy level was lower than uh, what you would experience if you ask people around uh, living in, in, in a building without knowing your neighbors. I, I also read a book about, um, lo- it's, I think it's called Lost Connections, I'm not sure if you've heard no, it. It's, it's about um, depression, actually. It's a great book, which I would recommend. And in that book, they, they spoke about, the, the author spoke about nine connections that could have been lost and which actually contrib- are major factors contributing to depression and how you can rebuild these connections. And, and you know, so, so, I mean, that's that's probably a different podcast altogether. Yeah. But, but I'm just trying to illustrate the fact that connection is so crucial to our well-being. That's what I would see if everyone kind of made the small efforts, small gestures to, to kind of make meaningful interactions with others around them. So true. Are there any closing thoughts on this project and what you're working on, this passion of yours, or anything that I've missed that you would like to share with the audience? Uh, yes, maybe for those that don't know the project yet, one aspect we're trying to uh, promote as well is use the Hong Kong Shift platform or use the Hong Kong Shift project as a platform to promote the social inclusion work of other organizations and of in particular of charities and for-profits that are on the ground day in day out trying to make an impact so you might have seen that uh, we try every every month to one of our profile is a shift worker working for a different charity and through through the story of um, this worker we also try and put the spotlight on the actual work that is being done by by charities such as impact hong kong feeding hong kong run hong kong just to yeah, name a few. they all do great work yes. really awesome and they all need our support now uh, more than ever absolutely uh, i want to close this interview with a quote which really resonates with me and it's by David Orr, a professor of environmental studies and politics. And he says, the plain fact is that the planet does not need more successful people, but it does desperately need more peacemakers, healers, restorers, storytellers, and lovers of all kind. It needs people who live well in their places. It needs people of moral courage, willing to join the fight to make the world habitable, and humane. And these qualities have little to do with success as we have defined it. And I thank you for your hard work and your continued effort to make this happen. And thank, thank you, very you much. so much. Thanks. And this quote is indeed uh, very inspiring. I, ho- I hope you can share it with us. I will. <laughs> and where can our audience find you? So we are on um, Instagram, on, on Facebook. We, we now have our 
new website, which we launched just a few weeks ago. Um, and we're also we've also displayed some of our stories in some community spaces. So um, essentially, places where you would go to read a book, and where you would have a good time. There are not many in Hong Kong, but there are. So to get the stories there, but also not to limit these stories to Hong Kong Island. We want this project to be about Hong Kong. So we want to bring the stories uh, in Kowloon and the new territories and, and work with community spaces or organizations there on the project. I love that idea. I mean, let's hope that if any of our audience has network and connection with the community areas and environment mm -hmm. and just get these images out there and share with the people who really would benefit from seeing them. Yeah, absolutely. That would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks a lot. On the surface, we might all look very different from one another, but at the core level, we are all the same. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. You can find Hong Kong Shifts on Instagram and Facebook at H-O-N-G-K-O-N-G-S-H-I-F-T-S. And the show notes of this episode are on my website, interested.blog. I love receiving your messages. Your reviews encourage me and they help other people find the podcast too. If you appreciate the information I share, please write a review on the podcast platform you're using and if you don't know what to write, just give me five stars. <laughs>